Well, we are in week seven. One, I want to stop. Welcome our Facebook line uh, audience that joins us online. I have to remind myself to do that because uh, I'm not used to that. But welcome, man. We've got them from New England, from uh, Michigan. Um, I forget where we had somebody said, hey, I'm tuning in, I think from down in Florida. Uh, and I'm like, man, great. We are reaching the most sinful part of the world, Florida. Uh, some little humor there, folks. Come on now. Um, we are in week seven of our series, Wake Up. When I felt God leading me toward this series, um, I, I don't really think I understood the brevity of how asleep the church has gotten. Not just the church in general, but our church also. Uh, you, know, you know, I look at this, I, I look at it, and here, here's the thing. I encourage you, and I, I, I'm going to kind of piggyback off what I said last week, um, it, of what Jensen Franklin uh, said there in his service. Uh, we've got people with, with uh, physical ailments that can't come out. I get it. I get it. We've got elderly people that can't afford to right now during this time. But there are healthy, strong individuals that have allowed this corona, this COVID, to allow them and lure them into sleep to where they just stay home now. And I want to tell you as a pastor, as your pastor, we need you back. I'm going to look right at the camera. We need you back because I feel like I'm preaching to the choir right now. But we need you back. You need to be back. And, and so I want to encourage you. It's time for us to wake up and say, okay, God, that's over. Let, let's move on from here and let's get going. Um, I, here, here's the thing. I don't care if you wear a mask to church as long as you show up at church. Because some of you have been wearing a mask to church for years. Ha, huh? what? 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 <laughs> so, so, did he just say that? Yeah. No, seriously, I don't care. I would rather have you at church with masks, gloves, whatever, than not at church, period. So, I, whatever it takes to get you, we want you back. Our scripture for this series has been Ephesians 5.14. I told you a couple of weeks ago, by the end of this series, you should have this scripture memorized. So, I'm going to put it up, and then I want you to help me. We're all going to read it together. It says this, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You got it? Ephesians 5.14. All right, now let's say it. Ready? Where's it at? There you go. There you go. Ephesians 5, 14. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead. Um, a Sunday school teacher uh, was teaching her five and six-year-old one Sunday morning uh, about the Ten Commandments. And so she showed them. She was talking about the one that says, honor your father and mother. And she was really laying it out there for them. And then so she said, listen, can anyone tell me a commandment? It has to do with how you should treat your brother and sister. And without missing a beat, little Johnny raised his hand. Thou shalt not kill. <laughs> Come on now. So, hey, uh, with two days before the election, thank God. Come on. We ought to throw just a worship service Wednesday night that the election is over. Um, but I felt God leading me to speak about today's wake-up call. And here, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to, it's this, wake-up call number seven is wake-up to honor. 
honor. If there is a word that needs to be redeemed in our culture, it's this word, honor. Honor. We need to learn because honor, can we be, uh, uh, honor used to mean something. It, it used to mean something because uh, we all want to be honored. We all want to, you know, we, we want honor, want to be honorable. I mean, in fact, no, no woman wants to just be the bridesmaid. You want to be the maid of honor. Uh, one of the most prestigious uh, personal de decorations, if you're in the military, that you can get is the Medal of Honor. Uh, it, maybe if you're from my generation, you'll remember Peter Cetera singing this song in Karate Kid. I am a man who will fight for... Listen, y'all don't want me to finish it. I'll be the hero you've been dreaming of. No. Honor, honor. Um, but it's lost some of its impact. That There was a day when honor meant something. In fact, when you read the Declaration of Independence, here's what the signers pledge in writing. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Over two centuries later, and I think it's safe to say that our culture has in disengaged from those two words, sacred honor. One of the reasons I'm talking about this today is because I've seen uh, not a whole lot of honor demonstrated by both sides of this election. I've seen, uh, in fact, I've seen a lot of dishonor shown. Um, and come Wednesday morning, we will see a nation divided and very little honor being given around. And, and but, but I don't want that to be said about us. I don't want it to be said about Watts Bar Church, anybody that calls this place home. And I don't want it to be said about any follower of Jesus that we are dishonoring in any way. The Hebrew word for honor is kavod. Here's what it means. Weighty, heavy, honorable. Glorious. According to one Bible dictionary, Havad is used in, in social terminology as, as in how we see people, how we view the value we see in people. That was honor. If, you, if I honor you, basically, I'm saying I honor, I, I value your opinions. I value your, your thoughts, your hurts. Your, they matter to me. They carry weight with me. But what happens when you don't believe the same way as I do? What happens when you don't behave by the same standards that I've set up? What happens when you don't have the same morals that I do? What happen when, happens when you don't have the same political affiliation that I do? Because here's the truth. We all have a line that we draw in the sand that says, hey, this is, if you cross this, then you're out of bounds. You're, you're, you're off. I, I mean, and we have a, and here's the way that we, we get to that place, Our, uh, the way we're raised, uh, where we come from, uh, somebody in California and somebody in Tennessee, I guarantee you see the world differently. Uh, but the way where we grew up, the places we've lived, how we value humanity, how we look at money, what we were taught, all those things get put into this one big blender. And what comes out is our worldview and how we see things and how we see people. And in a community, man, that, that's what makes it so tricky. 
when it comes to community, when it comes to church, when it comes to family. Because for some people, the way they see things is right here. At somebody else, it's way over here. Then another person sees it way over here. And then you've got all these different worldviews trying to come together and not butt heads constantly. Come on. Here's the million-dollar question. How do we engage or do life together with all those differences without constantly being at each other's throat? How do we do that? Because isn't that where our country is right now? I mean, people with different outlooks, perspectives, different ways of seeing things, different worldviews, moral views. And if someone posts something or says something online that you don't agree with, whether they're from office, work, school, church, the pulpit, it is on. Because your moral views, your worldviews have been challenged and threatened. And you, you realize this has been proven. Like if you go on the computer and you're looking up, you type in Trump, suddenly you start getting all these feeds sent to you from Fox News, from Trump, from different supporters, same thing with Biden, same with pro-life, same with pro-choice. You start, And what they do, they say, what happens is now you are only getting information from people that agree exactly like you do. So you have no clue why the other side thinks the way they do or why they feel the way they feel. And then we get threatened by that. So, so what happens when we feel threatened? We've got one of two choices. We can either respond with honor or we can respond with dishonor. And here's the truth. As a follower of Jesus, we have got to learn to respond with honor always. It's not easy. It's not. Okay? Can we be real? It's not easy. But we've got to learn to do that because people are humans and humans don't always get it right. Come on, can we agree? We, we, we blow it. But I'll, I'll say this also. We don't have to fully agree to have unity either. How many married people here? Denise and I are getting ready to celebrate 30 years of, of marriage. We are living proof that you don't have to always agree to have unity. Because she rarely agrees with a lot of the things I believe or say. In fact, I get that look. I'm like, you were thinking it. I was not thinking it. So, but we have unity. We have unity. See, see, when two people try to work something out, when, when two people try, uh, are in a relationship, whether it's marriage, church, or family, there are going to be times you just do not agree. That, and I, I say this to couples. If a couple tells me we never fight, here's what I know. One of them has given up on the relationship, and they're just laying down. Because you're going to have disagreements. You're going to. It's just part of it. And the problem is not those disagreements. The problem is our approach when we feel wrong or we feel like our worldviews have been threatened. Because here's, here's the way we typically do it. If we feel threatened or wronged, what we do is we point out their wrongs. We point it out. I mean, we'll easy. We'll, we'll make a list. We'll maximize that wrong in our minds, but we'll minimize any good in that person at the same time. And we focus more on the bad, on the wrong. 
We'll gossip about how badly you think you've been done or, or, or where they're wrong. Then we'll do this. We'll gather people around that agree with us to help us gather this army to support our beliefs. And then we will make that person the villain or the bad guy. Can I tell you that that approach has produced so much good fruit? Wrong. That approach has destroyed marriages, has destroyed friendships, has destroyed relationships, churches, businesses, and governments. That approach. So what would happen if we had a disagreement? If we saw someone post something on Facebook that, that, that we're friends with, we know them, that we don't like, what would happen if we approached them maybe like this? Hey, call them up, actually. Hey, I saw you post something. Um, is there any way we could get together, have coffee or lunch? Because I just want to hear why you think that way. Why, why, why you feel that way? But I, but I need to let you know something before we even start the conversation. I value you. I value our friendship and our relationship enough that I refuse to let this get in between that. And I just want to sit down and hear from you and hear. Anybody think that that approach is better than the moment somebody says or does something you disagree with, getting online and begin to berate that person's viewpoint? Come on. There is nothing honorable about that. Nothing. Nothing honor about it. There's no honor in getting on social media and telling that person how wrong their opinion is. When it comes to us as a church, what are we going to cultivate when it comes to how we're known for interacting with people, with one another, with those we don't agree with? What kind of environment are we going to cultivate, church? How are we going to restore the forgotten virtue of honor? Not, not just in the church, but in our homes, in our marriages. I think a lot of the problems with marriages is we've, we don't honor one another. We don't honor our spouses like we should. See, see, here's the thing. We as followers of Jesus, we have been given specific instructions on how we are to interact with other people, even those that we don't agree with. That includes our spouse, our children, widows in the church showing honor, showing honor to the homeless, showing honor to those uh, that, that, are, that are over us, yes, including government. See, I believe that honor is vital to the health of our church or the church in general. In fact, I'll say it like this. I believe the church is fueled by honor. Here's what I mean. Denise and I have got a car that runs on flex fuel. That means we can run on two, two different types of fuel. Uh, I can pull up and, and flex fuel is E85. I mean, you know, the the ethanol and, and gas mixture is, is a different rating. And if I pull up to fill it up, if I push that button, it'll say, do you have a flex fuel vehicle? I'll hit yes, and it'll allow me to fill that vehicle up. And my car will run great. But they tell you, hey, if your car is not made to run on this type of fuel, here's what the article says. It said, initially, you'll notice a loss of power and fuel economy. 
Then it goes on to say this, the hazard associated with E85 in a non-flex fuel vehicle is the corrosive action of ethanol on certain components of the fuel system. One exposure of E85 will not instantly melt all the magnesium, aluminum, or rubber it comes in contact with, but over time, it can erode those surfaces, and the resulting residue will be processed through the fuel system. In other words, if you keep trying to run your vehicle on fuel it was never meant to run on, it will end up corrupting the entire system. I think that's the problem with the church. I think the church has been trying to run itself on a fuel other than honor. And in the process, we've ended up powerless. And, and the whole system has become corroded. And we've got to get back to honor. Honor. I know some of y'all are thinking, good Lord, is this guy ever going to read it? Is he preaching? I've not heard one scripture except for that one he made us all read. Good news, I'm about to read one. In fact, I want to start, we're going to be in a couple different places today, but let's start with the verse that most people, even non-churchgoers, are familiar with when it comes to honor, and it's a parent's, one of the parents' favorite verses in the Bible, Exodus 20, 12. You know, I heard the groans. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. What is that? That's one of the Ten Commandments. Think, think about this. Why would God put honor your father and mother in his top ten list? I mean, if you're sitting down to give someone uh, the top ten things you want them to know to, to have a great life, to, to, to live good, why are, are we putting in something uh, about, hey, honor your parents? Especially, why would God do it especially knowing this, that the humans he created... There are going to be some that are born to great parents that it's easy to give honor to. And there are going to be some born to some parents that don't deserve the title as father or mother. And you're telling me to give honor? I mean, why? Well, why would he do that? Here's what I think. I think he's trying to develop in us this principle of honor when we are young because he knows this. The consequence of dishonoring those over us gets more harsh the older we get. See, at young, it may not be that bad. We may get grounded. We may get uh, 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 have to sit in the corner at school. But when we get older, those consequences get bigger when we disrespect those over us. I think God is trying to get into us that there are some things that honor will produce in our lives if we will learn this principle. And one of those things that we need to learn is this. Honor produces faith. You want a greater faith in your life, in your walk with God? Honor will produce that. I'll show you. Let's go back to uh, the uh, Exodus there. Honor your father and mother so that you may live along in the land your God is giving you. When this command is given to the people, the children of Israel, the majority of those listening that day never make it into the promised land. The majority of those listening. In fact, the, the, the 20 years, they're going to wander in the desert, in the wilderness for 40 years, and everyone that was 20 years and older died before they ever entered the promised land, except for Joshua and Caleb. Here's why I think they never entered the promised land. 
because they didn't honor the word of God that was spoken to them. And they didn't have the faith to believe what God told them. And because of that. See, see if you look at, I'll show you this. If, when you look at Hebrews 3, 7 through 12, Paul is bringing this up with the, with the children of Israel. He says, hey, when you hear God speak, don't be like your ancestors that wandered around in the desert even though they saw me do great miracles. Don't be like them. And then in verse 12, he, he follows it up with this. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. See, I want our children to learn honor at an early age because here's what I know. That there's, right now, it's, it's for me. They're honoring me as a parent, my kids. They're honoring you. Your kids are honoring you. But there's going to be a day when I am not the authority figure in their lives. It will be a teacher. It will be a boss. It will be a judge. It will be a police officer. And they need to learn honor now so that they'll know at the end. Honor. There's a great story that's found in Mark chapter 6 that shows us the consequences of a lack of honor. Um, before we jump, I'll give you a little backstory. Jesus is coming back home, uh, not where he was born, but where he grew up. And, and about a year prior to this, what we're about to read, uh, they actually tried to kill him. His home, his home people tried to kill him. They ran him out of town. But since then, Jesus has been on a sold-out lakeside tour. He's selling out lakesides everywhere he goes. He, I mean, people are being raised from the dead. People are being healed. Deaf ears are being opened. He's turning water into wine. He's doing these, um, these amazing teaching. He, he takes a Captain D's kids meal, feeds thousands with it um he heals he heals peter's mother-in-law which has long been speculated as to why peter denied christ uh little humor there come on now so, <laughs> so i thought i heard someone say that's the truth uh, but, so, but jesus is doing all these all these incredible things and he finally gets to come back home I'm imagining my mind, Drake. It's like when they get down to those final few American Idol contestants and they get to make that home visit. You know what I mean? And, and they're coming back into town and, and the streets are lined and they're holding up and people that you knew didn't even know you existed now are your best friends. <laughs> Look, they're holding up signs. I can imagine, man, that's what was going to happen when Jesus, because of all the miracles, all the healings. But look what happens in Mark chapter 6, 1. Jesus left there, went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many who heard him were amazed. Don't think that's in a good way. Let's read on. Where did this man get these things, they ask? What's this wisdom that has been given him? Where are these remarkable miracles he is performing? See, they were amazed. The problem is they were not amazed in a good way. Because look what they say. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? In other words, this guy's nobody special. We went to school with him. We, we played in the playground with this guy. He, he, him and his dad come over and build our table for us. 
There's nothing special about this guy. They, they weren't amazed. And watch this. It says, and they took offense at him. Jesus has been out doing all these incredible things. And they know about it because they're saying, hey, how's he teaching like this? How's he performing this in miracles? He's one of us. And they took offense at him. Now look at this. Jesus said to them, a man is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his home. The Passion says it like this. A prophet is treated with honor everywhere except in his own hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house. See, the word that is translated uh, into without honor is optimus. And here's what it means. Dishonored, despised, Treated as common or ordinary. How many people we have married here? Come on, if you're married, raise your hand. It's all right. Some of y'all don't know if you're married. Maybe there's counseling for that. <laughs> now, for your own safety, do not answer any of these questions I'm about to ask out loud. Remember that. Because, listen, I don't have time to counsel with everybody. Uh, so just keep those thoughts inside. When you were first married, was think about think about wasn't it a lot easier to show that husband that wife honor? I mean, think, you were opening doors for them. You were sending them little texts with cute emojis. Oh, I love you. Little heart emoji, little smiley one. I don't know what all they mean. And I'm about to get myself in trouble if I keep going. You kept your, your physically and appearance-wise, you kept yourself up for them? Oh, it's about to get real. Then after a while, you began to treat each other as ordinary or common. You forgot the gift that they were. And you might not call it dishonor, but you're not honoring them anymore when you're treating them as common or ordinary. It's dishonor. Husbands quit opening up doors. Husbands quit scheduling date nights, bringing flowers. Wives, their everyday wear turns into oversized jogging pants and sweatshirts. Only time they shave their legs is for bathing suit season. <laughs> Come on. Now, I, I know I'm only speaking to the Couples that were at the 9 a.m. service. None of the 11 a.m. service couples are here would do that. So, um, but we quit honoring each other. And then here's what I'll hear. Here's what Denise and I will hear. Well, if they'd do this, if they would do that, if they'd quit doing this, if they'd quit doing that, here's what Gary Smalley, a relationship expert, here's what he says about honor, Christian guy. He says this, honor means deciding to place high value, worth, and importance on another person by viewing him or her as a priceless gift. And I love this. It's a way of accurately seeing the immense value of a person made in the image of God. It means to value another person highly as extremely important and great worth. And the last of the quote, I put it in your notes as a fill out. Honor is not earned. It is a gift and a decision we make every day. That's honor. Honor. How would your marriage change 
If that's the way you begin to see people, see that spouse, how would your personal, your professional relationships change if you started treating everyone you come in contact like that daily as valuable as created in the image of God. How would your dating relationships change for those that date? Come on. Your relationships with mom and dad, how would they change? With your friends, with your boss, with your leader, with your pastors, with the ushers and greeters, with those that watch your kids every week, how would it change if when you come in contact with them, you begin to treat them as someone created in the image of God? Man, what would happen even outside of here, we go to a restaurant, and even if the service is not great or the food's not great, we still treated them with dignity and honor. How would that change things? How would that change things? I get it, Kelly. I get it. But how can I honor someone I have no respect for? It's a valid question. But you got to understand this. Respect is earned. Honor is given. See, we can withhold respect uh, based upon someone's lack of character or some actions they do or their integrity. Respect has to be earned, but honor, honor is given. It's given. Oh, okay, Kelly, but how can I show honor to someone I don't even like? I told you we're going to get real. How can I show honor to that person that got elected that I didn't vote for? I'm gonna man. I just I'm gonna make some of y'all so mad, and y'all gonna have to ask God to forgive you. How am I supposed to show honor to that person that lives morally wrong with that person whose lifestyle is something I don't agree with? How do I show them honor? Here's how: I don't have to agree with what you're doing or with your lifestyle, with your actions, or your character to honor you. I live with this in mind right here. Because you matter to God, you matter to me. Because you as a person, whether or not your values line up with mine, because you matter to God, you matter to me. And if we would begin to see people like that, man, I'm, I'm getting off page, but I'm so sick of seeing followers of Jesus Christians tear each other apart openly online. There's no honor in that. I don't care. You can argue with me all up, but you do not have one scripture in the Bible that tells me that's honorable. But I can give you a dozen that tells you it's dishonorable. In fact, it's a sin. So bring it. I am. I'm just so. We've got to get back to honor, guys. I mean, could it be the reason our country is in the shape it's in right now? Is because instead of honoring people, we spend more time devaluing people. Come on, we're sitting on both sides. Both sides. You, you don't hear. Well, I, I was telling this. This wasn't even in my notes, but I saw it this, a couple weeks ago. And I can't remember the state they represented, but these two candidates, one was Republican, one Democrat. They were running, but they made a commercial together. And here they, basically it was this, we disagree with certain things, but here's what we agree on this state, whatever it was, we need change. We need difference. And they began to list the things they agreed on. Can I tell you, both sides tore them apart for that? Why? Because we're so accustomed to dishonor, we don't even know what honor looks like anymore. Let's take it a step further. Could it be... 
Could it, could it be that the church is not seeing the supernatural and the miracles and the healings that we talk about seeing long ago because of a lack of honor in it? Cal, that's not biblical. I don't know. Let's look on. Because Jesus says a prophet is, 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 is without honor. Optimus is treated as common or ordinary in his hometown. And here's what, Jesus, what they follow up with that scripture. And he would not do. Is that what it says? He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Why? Because honor produces faith. You see what dishonor did? Jesus had been doing miracles everywhere, raising the dead. And he comes back home and they dishonored him. And he could not do any miracles there. That's why I say, could it be the church is not seeing the supernatural move of God, the miracles, the healings? Could it be that because we have lost honor in the house of God? See, if there's... If honor produces faith, if there's a lack of honor, there's a lack of faith. Maybe the reason there's a deficit of faith in our culture today is because there's a deficit of honor in our culture today. See, I believe that the reason we are the most faithless generation is because we are seeing the most dishonoring generation. And don't blame it on the kids. They got it somewhere. What's of our church? We will not be the church God has called us to be in this community without cultivating honor. We will max out and we will deadline. We will grow and we'll hit a peak and then we'll stop. See, right now it's said about us. Uh, I couldn't tell you how many times that we have heard it. And it's not bragging about me and Denise. It's bragging about the people in our church. But, man, I went there. I felt at home. I didn't feel judged. I felt like I was accepted. And then, let me tell you what. The day that stops happening, the day this church dies. Uh, this, as pastors, Denise and I have been criticized for, the, I can't believe you allow that lesbian couple to come into your church can't believe you allow that why listen to me it's not a mac your sexual preference is not about whether i give you honor or not you matter to the heart of god that's why i'm going to show you honor whether you're whether you're democrat republican independent uh, poor rich it doesn't matter black white brown that's not dependent upon honor i'm going to show you honor right where you are and here's what i believe if the church would begin to honor people like that, they wouldn't view us as a bunch of self-righteous hypocrites, but we would see people come to Jesus and their lives turned around. Man. Man, I think I'm more fired at this service than it was at 9 a.m. Let's close this out. Somebody's like, thank God. Uh, I mean, I want to honor him, but I'm getting to my limits. Uh, I love competition. To me, there's no reason to play a game if there can't be a winner. I didn't, when I play games with my kid, I don't care if it's Candyland or some video games. I play to win. I, no, no, there are no participation awards in this family. You earn it. You don't get a participation trophy for showing up. When did that crap start? You want to teach a kid a lesson? Hey, you want a trophy like they got? We'll get better and win a game. 
Losers don't get trophies. I, I'm serious. You, you treat, we, we teach kids that they don't have to do anything and they'll still get something. Maybe we all teach kids, hey, okay, maybe you suck at baseball. Let's try something else. <laughs> Let's get you something else, Johnny. This is not your sport. I'm just going to be real with you. You can't hang out in the field playing the dirt when the ball comes by. Come on, come on. Let's find you a job you can play in the dirt with. But I'm telling you, guys, we've got to get back to this. Uh, back to where I was. I forgot where I was. I think Paul was very competitive. In fact, he takes this honor thing to a whole new level when it comes to competition. Look at Romans 12:10. Paul says this: love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Paul says, don't you dare let somebody outdo you showing honor. In fact, we should be looking at our neighbor right now and say, oh, this week it's on. I'm going to out-honor you. There's no way. No, 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 no. Oh, you bring it. Oh, it's already been brought. We should be talking trash to each other about honor. I'm going to so I'm going to so out-honor you this week, Drake. I started saying something about your hair, but I couldn't think of anything funny. But, <laughs> so I decided, no, let's just stop that. Um, but he says, listen, if we're going to be known for anything, I want us to be known for people that show others honor even when we don't agree with them, even when their opinions don't line up with ours. When given the opportunity to re react with honor or dishonor, man, I want us to choose honor every single time. The Bible teaches us, honor your father and mother. Now, it teaches us to honor those over you in authority. I am just the messenger. So if you get mad at anybody for this next scripture, get mad at God. This is what he says in 1 Timothy 5, 17. To the spiritual leaders who handle the affairs of the church, especially those who preach and teach the word of God, give double honor. I'm talking about when you see Ben and Amanda, his 25-year-old kids you give them double honor because they're teaching the word of God to your students every week and up here you give double honor to our elders because they're handling the affairs of the church to the leaders that's that's biblical principle like I said don't I'm just a messenger and guess what guys giving honor even includes government officials look at Romans 13 1 Everyone, I'm going to take a page out of Vance's. That's what, you know what everyone means in Greek? Everyone. Everyone. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. Get this. Why? For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Here's what I know. Come Wednesday morning, whoever's elected in the White House God's not going to be going, well, I didn't see this coming. What am I going to do now? I guess it's plan B. I think God's going to go, yep, my plan's in play. I know there are people that don't understand it, but my plan's in play. My plan's in play. Because it says they have been placed there by God. Pastor, when that was written, there was no way they could have known who would be in the White House. 
There's no way they could have known who would be up for election this year. That's true. But look, Peter says in 1 Peter 2.17, fear God and honor the king. Fear God and honor the king. Do you know who the king was that Peter was talking about? Nero. A madman. He was responsible for the death of hundreds, if not thousands, of Christians. In fact, here's what he would do with Christians. He would cut their heads off, put them on a pole, line his gardens, and set their heads on fire. And Peter says, honor the king. No doubt Peter knew people that had died at the hands of Nero, had family members that had died at the hands of Nero, yet he said, honor king see in the next couple days as a follower of Jesus it does not matter who gets elected because we as Christians we're going to choose to give honor we're going to choose to give honor why because Paul said all authority comes from God and those in the positions of authority have been placed there by God by God. And Peter says, honor everyone. But PK, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me, how they've treated me. I'm not here to argue about that. I, I have no doubt there are people that have been treated wrongly and have been done wrongly. And, and, and all I'm here to say is this is a follower of Jesus that has been commanded to honor everyone. I will not allow your character defect to determine my obedience to God. Let me say it like this. I won't allow what I don't like about you, what I don't agree with you about. I will not allow your political affiliation, who you vote for or who you don't vote for. I will not allow your lifestyle prayer. I will not allow those things to make me dishonor God or not obey God. I'm going to obey God by honoring you telling you guys why because I choose to see you as someone who matters to the heart of God and because you matter to the heart of God you better matter to me Kelly I'm just going to be honest I just don't see any good in them this is my last quote if I can get man to come on up heard one guy say it like this and man it has stuck with me forever he said this, when you come to a place when you're trying to honor someone and you just don't see any good in that person, he said this, find the good that God has placed inside that person and drag it to the surface. That's how you honor. I love that. Isn't that what Jesus did throughout the whole Bible? He found people and drug the good that his father had placed down inside, drug it to the surface. I mean, you think about Peter and Andrew. He didn't focus on their faults. He didn't focus on their shortcomings. He didn't focus on the fact that one day Peter would deny him. No, he focused on this. Hey, God, my father has put something really good inside them. And my job, I'm just going to drag it to the surface. I mean, you look throughout the entire Bible. He does that with Matthew, the tax collector. He does it with the woman caught in adultery. He does it with Saul, a.k.a. Paul. He does it with me. He does it with you. Undeserving, no good enough. He looks down and sees the good and drags it to the surface. That's what he did. Who are we? 
everything God has done for us, after the mercy we've been shown, after the grace we've been shown, after how many times we've been faithless to God, and He's been faithful to us, yet we have the audacity because someone doesn't agree with this or someone has shown dishonor. Guys, how, how would this community change? What would it look like if, if instead of focusing on the things we disagree on, we begin to focus and just look for the good that God placed in them and begin to pull it to the surface? I don't know about you, I'm so glad that God didn't focus on all my mistakes and screw-ups and the times I failed Him. But He said, I know there's something good down there. I just got to drag it to the surface. I'm glad that God doesn't look at us and see our mess ups, but he sees the good and drags it. Drake, I'm glad. I'm glad. Derek, I'm glad. I'm glad he doesn't see our doubts, our questions, but he says, no, there's, there's good there. I just got to drag it out. D, I'm glad. See, maybe your story is you've been good your whole little life. That ain't my story. I know what it's like to, to, to experience an abundance of grace. I know what it's like to drown in it. In fact, if I if Watts Bar down over here was just grace, I would get up every morning and go for a swim. Because I know it means. 